Hi, I'm Debbie Harbeck, and I'm a certified life coach working with women in midlife and through the menopause transition. So each week, I'll be sharing the latest information, inspiration, and generate some momentum so you can move forward and feel more in control of your changing midlife body and your life. Let's go. Hi, and welcome to this brand new edition of the Midlife Momentum Podcast, and I'm really glad you decided to join me today because today I'm talking about food, and it's a topic a lot of people really love to talk about. But in particular, I want to talk about what foods to eat more of in midlife, in this midlife menopause transition and beyond. But, and this is a big but, I hesitate to talk about or recommend any types of food because we have a complicated relationship with food. I could tell you all the good things, but it's always going to depend on how you are relating to food. So I want to go into that just a little bit here, and I will go into it in future podcasts because it's probably the biggest issue. And I want to start by saying that food isn't an exact science. There's so much we don't know about when it comes to food. So I want you to imagine you're in 1923 and you are sent through a time machine to 2023, 100 years in the future. And I want you to walk into a grocery store and I bet if you walk into that grocery store, your 1923 you, there's going to be fresh produce that you recognize, but I'm pretty sure that most other things there will be pretty unrecognizable and it would be pretty daunting. Things have changed over these past hundred years, yet as human beings, we're super adaptable. So as much as things have changed, we've been able to change too. However, as we know from the rising levels of obesity and other lifestyle issues, we're not adapting all that well. But as we know from thousands of years, we know that food is different from culture to culture. It's different from region to region, but we've been able to survive and even thrive as a species because we are so adaptable. And so there's more than one way to eat and be healthy. But in this past century in particular, the quantities of food have changed. So it's not just the type of food, but the quantities that are available would be astounding to somebody walking into our grocery store today. We have never seen food in these amounts in our history. And food does, like it or not, it makes us feel good. And today in this world, it's engineered to make us feel good and engineered to make us crave more. So it's no wonder that food has become much more than just necessary nutrition or sustenance. It's become a coping mechanism and a way to control ourselves through deprivation and reward. And because of that, most women, like you and me, by midlife, we probably have a pretty crappy relationship with food, to be honest. And by the time you hit menopause, chances are, if you're a woman, you've tried upwards of 60 diets. That's the average, 60. And that means you've probably restricted calories or carbs or fat. You've deprived yourself of foods you love. And you've tried some pretty funky plans like the cabbage soup diet or the cookie diet or the grapefruit diet, the cottage cheese diet, the all liquid diet. 
and any one type of food diet that you can think of. And now we even have other plans that are very popular. We have keto and paleo, we have vegetarian and vegan, gluten-free, and I could go on, there are many. But for these last few that I just mentioned, which are relatively new, they're not all bad. But there are definitely things to be aware of whenever you restrict yourself from eating any type of food. So all this to say, yes, we have a complicated relationship with food. Do you need counseling? Well, maybe, maybe you do need therapy. Maybe you do need a coach. But what I think is most helpful before you even go to any other avenue, first of all, to recognize your own patterns, to feel how different foods and drink affect you, and to notice your own hunger and energy levels. So I think it's really important before we get outside help, we've got to get inside help. We've got to look into ourselves because we are our best advocate. Nobody knows our bodies like we do. We just need to tune into them so that we can know exactly what we need and exactly what doesn't work for us. The issue today is that everybody else is an expert on you and what you should eat, but you need to learn that you are the expert on you and you can tell yourself what to eat because the fact is, as I was saying earlier, there are hundreds and thousands of ways to eat that can work, but we have to trust in ourselves and what our body needs. And trust is the most important element of any relationship we're gonna have in life. So if you're gonna change your relationship with food, you have to learn to trust in your body. So I've just kind of prefaced what I really wanted to talk about today, which is about the five types of food that you should eat more of in midlife. But I really can't in good conscience go there without talking about this relationship we have with food because no matter what is suggested or scientifically proven, you won't change your eating habits if you don't heal this relationship you have with food and you don't learn to trust your body. And so, of course, as I mentioned, I will be talking more about this in future episodes because I think it's really central to living well as we age. So let's move forward into the main topic of today. What foods should you consume more of in midlife? So I'm sharing five types of foods today that we need more of because we want to prevent disease and we want to improve our energy and our strength. And because we're in midlife, meaning we're in or beyond the menopause transition, our bodies are at a much higher risk of cardiovascular disease, certain cancers, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, dementia, and more. And what we eat affects us and it matters more than ever. These are the five things I know that can help you stay healthy through midlife and beyond. So the first one I'm going to go to is fiber. Fiber is a carbohydrate that's not digestible. And what's really great about it is that it helps move things through our digestive tract, which is wonderful in preventing constipation. We need to poop. Constipation can become an issue for a lot of us in midlife because things do slow down in our bodies. But fiber is so great for helping you feel satisfied, for keeping your blood sugar from spiking and reducing cholesterol. So in addition to your digestive tract, it has all these other advantages. You'll be able to prevent these diseases like cardiovascular, like type 2 diabetes and colon cancer in this case would be the particular one. And have you ever heard of your gut 
microbiome. I know there's more and more talk about it these days. It's basically that vast ecosystem of bacteria, fungi, and there are even viruses that live in your digestive tract. And these microorganisms inside of you, they thrive on fiber, which is actually a great thing. Because if your gut microbiome is healthy, you can reduce mood swings, inflammation, you can improve metabolism and bone health. We really have to embrace fiber and embrace that pooping is a very healthy thing to do. And as we get older, like I said, gastric motility, which is that movement through your digestive tract, it slows down. So we need fiber to keep this important elimination process going. However, the vast majority of us are not eating enough fiber. And enough, when, when I say enough, they say about 25 grams a day for women. It's not really that hard to get there when you're aware of what you're eating. You can get more fiber by eating more fruits and veggies, more legumes, more whole grains. For instance, a good breakfast could be steel-cut oats with a handful of blueberries and a tablespoon of flax seeds, ground up if you can, and that would be about 10 grams of fiber right there. Or what about a high fiber smoothie with avocado and pineapple and pear and even throw in some chia seeds in there. And you can also get 10 grams of fiber in right there. So you can get a good percentage of fiber just at the beginning of the day. And through the day, you can choose high fiber snacks like raw veggies and hummus dip or high fiber bread or pasta or rice product can increase your overall fiber intake. But of course, if you're taking in fiber, you also have to make sure you're taking in water. And that brings me to number two. We've got to drink plenty of water because as you get older, you are naturally more dehydrated. And you may have noticed this. Maybe you've noticed your skin is drier and less plump than it used to be. Or you might even notice the inside of you, like the tissue inside your vagina and even your joints are less lubricated. To make things go smoothly digestion-wise, on top of this, you need to drink water to bulk up that fiber and get things moving. So water is so important to us. And the other thing it can do is it can fill you up. So sometimes you may feel like you're hungry, but you're actually thirsty. So try water before eating a meal or snack and see if actually, yes, maybe you were thirsty. And if not, maybe it will cut down on overeating if that's an issue for you. And of course, if you're very active or you sweat a lot or you're outdoors on a, on a hot day, like in the middle of summer where we are right now, you'll need more water than usual. But on average, you need about four to six glasses of water. And that's per day because you're also taking in water from your food and other beverages like tea and coffee, which do count as hydration, by the way, because they only have a small diuretic effect. So overall, coffee and tea do count towards your hydration. We didn't used to count it. So good on us if, if we can count it now. I personally try to drink a glass of water before each meal. That helps me to think about it. I get my three glasses in that way. And then I have another to take my vitamins in the morning. And I probably drink about three cups of tea a day. So I think I'm getting enough water and that's just from drinking, never mind what's in my food. So if you're dehydrated though, and you're not sure if you're dehydrated or not, in extreme dehydration, you'll likely feel dizzy and weak and your urine will be a dark yellow. So those are just signs that you may be dehydrated. 
And then we're going to move away from water now. We're going to go on to the third thing, which is getting enough protein. So as I've already mentioned on this podcast, you lose muscle mass as you age. It sucks, but you do. And in particular, during the menopause transition, it drops drastically. So to maintain and add even more muscle, because you can still add muscle, you will need to take in some protein for that, lean protein. And that can be in the form of meat, poultry, fish, but it can also be in the form of eggs or legumes or high protein dairy like Greek yogurt. And even certain nuts and seeds have a good protein count. So just being aware of all this. For women in perimenopause and beyond, they suggest you take in about a half a gram to 0.9 gram of protein per pound of body weight if you want to stay strong and active as you age. So for a 150 pound woman, that means you've got to take in about 80 to 135 grams of protein a day. So for example, one large egg has six grams of protein, three would give you 18 grams, or if you have a quarter pound chicken breast that has about 30 grams of protein, a half cup of black beans for us who are vegan, vegetarian, that has about eight grams of proteins. I do suggest to keep a journal. A food journal is a helpful thing, not forever, but just temporarily a few days of the week. And just check out the protein you're getting. And then you'll know what you'll need to do to increase it. So I just want you to get a feel for it for your own body because maybe you don't need it. But like I said, most of us do. And then the fourth thing I would add are good fats. I know this idea came to us in the 80s when most of us were growing up. And unfortunately, it's stuck that to get less fat on our bodies, we should eat less fat. And it does sort of sound logical on the surface, right? That eating less fat would give us less body fat, but it actually doesn't work that way. The fat on your body is not created from the fat in your diet, not directly. Body fat we know comes from highly processed foods, sugary drinks, eating more than your body spends. There's a lot of other things that cause body fat. And in fact, fat in your diet, especially fats like omega-3s and omega-6s, are important in hormone production. They keep your inflammation down. And like water, they keep your tissues in your body hydrated. So you get these fats, these good fats, in foods like fatty fish, like salmon, if you like salmon or trout, avocados, nuts, seeds, egg yolks, coconut, and cold-pressed olive oil. So these are some examples. It's not an exhaustive list. So how much do you need a day? Science says about 44 to 66 grams for the average woman. So that's why there's a range because there's no average woman. And it's easy to measure if you use your thumbs. You should eat five to six thumb-sized portions of fat a day. And that could be nut or nut butters, seeds, olive oil, butter. But of course, many foods aren't just fat. They have other things in them like protein and water. So they're not easy to measure with your thumb. So you just have to go by what's on the package. Knowing that you need this 44 to 66 grams, you can figure it out from there. As much as possible, keep the fat healthy, of course, by avoiding fatty processed meats like bacon or cold cuts. 
and avoiding trans fats, which I think a lot of products have now gotten rid of, but it's important to read the labels, whatever you do, as usual. And then finally, the last thing I would say is eat more whole foods. A whole food is a food that is in its natural form or very close to it, like fruits and vegetables or nuts and seeds, if they're not covered in oil and salt. Eggs are whole and fresh cuts of lean meat are pretty much whole. Grains like brown rice, steel cut oats, quinoa, barley, they're also minimally processed, so I consider them whole. And that means also eating less of what's not whole, meaning less processed and packaged foods that have several ingredients on them. Because the further the food is from its natural state, so you think of something like cookies or Doritos, they're, they're not found in nature. <laughs> I haven't seen the Dorito tree yet. The more chance it will increase your insulin, it will increase your belly fat, it will increase your risk of disease, and it will just make you feel crappy later on. Just like investing money is a good idea to build wealth, investing in whole foods is a good idea to build health. We put a lot of emphasis in our lives and where we put our money, and we're very concerned about this, but what are you putting in your body to build that health in your life? You need that, and health is currency in this world. We know that because if your health has ever been compromised or you've had a health scare, and many of us by midlife, we've might have had a health scare or somebody that's close to us have had a health scare. You know how important your health is. So invest in these whole foods. And so those are the five things I want you to eat more of if you can, but also to start working on that ever so important relationship you have with food, noticing that for a lot of us, it is a love-hate relationship. <laughs> And I will definitely be going more into that because I hear it all the time, but I just love food. Well, I think there's more to it than that. So I'm just going to let you go on that note. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode today. Again, I'm grateful that you chose to join me, that you chose this podcast to listen to. And if you really enjoyed it, please go to your Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're using to listen and rate this episode. I really, really appreciate it. And I will, of course, be back next week with a fresh new episode. So keep moving forward and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Midlife Momentum Podcast. If you want to learn more about working with me, come visit me at debbieharbeckcoaching.com. That's Debbie, I-E, Harbeck with a C, coaching.com. See you next week.